Well, guys, welcome again. I say welcome to Impact City Church. Um, I am so happy to be here again. And just coming to church here is like coming back home to family. We don't really get, you know, this feeling of like, oh, we're going to the big church. We're going to do this and that. It's like coming home to family. And I really enjoy that here. I enjoy serving with each and every one of you. And, of course, enjoy uh, being able to share the Word of God. Uh, through me to you guys, and so that I just I love that. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Mark five. If you don't have a Bible, we got one in the back for you. You can take that one home as a gift from us to you. Uh, so pick up a Bible, open it up to Mark chapter five. That's where we're going to be today. Mark chapter five. So if you were with us last week, you know that we started Mark chapter five. It is of course the fifth chapter in the Gospel of Mark. There's sixteen chapters. It's the uh, fifth part of our um, uh, message series going through verse by verse through the gospel of Mark. And we're just so excited because here in this gospel, Mark, you're going to notice one common theme. One common theme throughout actually the whole book of Mark, and especially in this chapter, is very clear. One common theme, which is this, which is that Jesus is actually greater than so many things in life. That Jesus is greater than, Jesus is better, Jesus is greater, Jesus is, is above all, Jesus is greater than so many things in life. In fact, he's greater than everything in life. If we really, to be honest with ourselves, we'll know that he is greater than everything in life. And here in chapter 5, we see it very clearly in the Gospel of Mark. It's very clear what he does. Um, if you were here last week, you'll remember that we met a man who was possessed by an unclean spirit. And this unclean spirit had came into this man's life, and he was out of control. He couldn't control his life anymore. Everything that he did, everything that he, that he was trying to be, everything that he was doing was out of his control. He couldn't do it by himself anymore. This guy was living among the dead out in the graveyard, away from the city, away from from people, away from the living. And he was living out there among the dead. He was isolated and separated from the world. And a lot of us, we said that a lot of us will do that. We'll get depressed. We'll get uh, discouraged and we will isolate ourselves from society. We will isolate ourselves from the world. And that's exactly what this guy was doing. This, this man was, was so controlled by these evil spirits that he was cutting himself. The Bible says that he would take stones and he would slash his arms and he would bleed and bleed and just hurt himself. And we said that last week, we said that many of us will do that same thing to us, whether it's through addiction or whether it's through um, um, supplication of some type of supplement in our life where we take something in to, to supplement something for something else, whether it's love, whether it's connection, whether it's community. So we'll take in like alcohol, we'll take in some type of drug, we'll take in some type of um, a downer or some type of, of you, know, a, you know, something to lift you up, whatever it is. We'll take that in and we'll hurt ourselves. Some of us will actually start abusing our bodies just so we can feel pain. We talked about that last week. So nothing can hold them down, not even chains or shackles. Nothing can hold them down. They, they, they said that when they took the man out there, when the people got the man, he was so irate, so out of control that they tried to chain him up. And he was so powerful, so strong that he took those metal shackles and like just ripped them off. That he would take the chains and he would break them. And so this man was literally out of control and unable to be uh, um, taken down, controlled or whatever. 
No one could even begin to even talk to this guy. This guy was out of control. And then we said that Jesus rolled up to the scene. We said that, that Jesus rolled up to the scene and he was so out of control. We said that sometimes when, whenever we're out of control, no one can even help us. That we feel like no one, can, can, no one can bind us, no one can calm us down. Then we said that Jesus came up on the scene. You remember what I said? That he came up all about the local style. And he came up saying, like, you got, you know, you demons out of that man. Whoever you are in that man, I cast you out of that man. And we learned that the demons were, that were in the man, there was over 2,000 demons inside that man. That that man had allowed his sins to control his life so much. And they had just been on top of one, on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. He had grown about 2,000 demonic oppressions into this man's life. And Jesus said, I want you out of that man. I want you to be cast out. And the demons begged Jesus, please don't send us out. And, and please instead send us into that herd of pigs. And so Jesus said, okay, go into that herd of pigs. And the 2,000 demons went into the 2,000 pigs. And they ran over to a cliff and they jumped off and they committed piggy suicide. True story. It happened. And it was awesome at that point. It was awesome up until that point when we read that. And when we left here, we were like, wow, Jesus is doing some awesome things. He is casting out demons. He is casting out devils. And he is just like, he's like showing his authority. He's like, I am in charge. I am the man. You cannot, I am greater than evil. And that's awesome. And that's an amazing thing, right? And it's an epic story. If we ended there, it would be an amazing story. We can all say like, wow, you remember that story? That remember that time that Jesus cast the demons out of the man and went to the pigs? That was an awesome story. And it was. But just like many great movies, part two of this story is better than part one. Y'all, y'all, y'all remember Star Wars? We all remember, how many of y'all remember when Star Wars first started? It's like maybe two of you guys in this room. And the Star Wars first, I'm not talking about the new ones that, that were a really bad. Make. I'm talking about the originals. But when Star Wars first came out, the first Star Wars episode four came out, right? A New Hope is what I think it was called. I'm, I'm, if you're a Star Wars nerd and I got that wrong, I'm sorry. But that was a great movie. Everyone was like, yeah, Star Wars, right? And then part two came out, Empire Strikes Back. And we're like, dude, Empire Strikes Back. That is the one that everyone remembers, right? That's the one that everyone knows. When you think Star Wars, you think Empire Strikes Back, baby. That's the one you know. Okay? I'm a Batman fan. I, I love Batman. And when, the, when Christopher Nolan came out, Nolan, when Nolan came out with the newest installment, if you don't, if you don't know what that is about, then I'm sorry. When Nolan came out with the newest installment of Batman, Batman Begins, we were like, dude, awesome. The Scarecrow, we had never seen the Scarecrow before in the movie. We were all like, dude, this guy is awesome. And, you know, it was like, you know, um, it was amazing, right? Christian Bale was Batman. Like, dude, Christian Bale's Batman, right? And he was like, don't talk like this. And he was like, real deep voice. We're like, dude, he's scary, man. And we were like hyped up, right? You know, but you know what was better than Batman Begins? The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger as, as the Joker, Right? And, and Two-Face, that was, I mean, that was it. That was, that was the, the best, and this is going to say, this is going to go, even if you're a Tim Burton Batman fan, the best Batman movie ever, by far. Part two was better than part one. And if we look at this Bible, if we look at this story, we just read part one last week. This is part two. The story continues. And in my opinion, and I might just be a Bible nerd, but this Part two is better than part one. And part one was pretty awesome. 
Am I right or am I wrong? Part one was amazing. Part two gets even better because it gets personal with us. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 5, verse 14 is where we're going to be today. I'll go ahead and start reading here in just a second. Jesus had just sent the demons out of the man and into the pigs. He had just sent the demons out of the man and into the pigs. And this is where we pick up on. Verse 14. And the herdsmen fled and told it to the city and into, into the country. They were telling the city, they were telling the country what had happened. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had, what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They wanted him to leave. They were freaking out. Just, just get out of here, man. Verse 18. And as, they were, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with them, that he might go with Jesus. I want to be with you, Jesus. And he, Jesus, and he did not permit him, but said to him, Go. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has made mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim it in the Dilapagus, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Some amazing things are going on here in part two of this story. Just some amazing things. What I want to do, I want to take out three points from this, from this scriptures. Three things from these scriptures I think we can take from here and we can really see just how great part two is. Number one is this. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are. Number one, when Jesus is greater than evil, people will share it. When Jesus is greater than evil, people will share it. Verse 14 said, The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and into the country. And the people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw a demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described it to them and what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs. So back in the day, they didn't have Facebook. Back in the day, there was no Twitter. Back in the day, there was barely even a letter you can write. Back in the day, it, was, it, it wasn't like that. They literally had to spread the word through conversation and all that. And so what the herdsmen did, they saw the power of God. They saw what had happened to this man. They saw what was going on. And they ran in off and they told people in the country and they told people in the city. And they wanted to tell other people about what, what they had experienced. And you see, what that's telling us is that some of the most amazing things that happen to us, that God does to us, people see that. People will see that. And when people see that, people will tell other people that. I want to give you an example. I want to give you an example of that. It, it, it's kind of like when Sarah and I first got married. And, and we, were, we were so hard-pressed on money. And money was so hard on us. And literally, we're going paycheck to paycheck. And I remember telling Sarah, like, we need to start tithing. Like, tithing. Not just five, $5 10 bucks here. I mean, like, 
like that's not even, that's not trusting God. That's almost like mocking God. Like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to give you much. I'm just going to give you a little bit to show you that I kind of like you. I want to like, I'm done dating God. I want to be committed to God. And so I told her, we need to be like really tithing, like a whole 10%. And, and so we went over the bills and we were like, it's not going to work this month. If we give 10% of our paycheck, we will not make rent. We will not be able to save our money. 10% was a lot for us. So we did it. Because we wanted to be committed to God, not just date God. When we, when we committed to that, we were short on our bills. And uh, later on that week, I think we were short on, um, on, on some money for groceries, as it was. And Sarah said, so let's just go to the store. We have a little bit of money, just enough to buy, like, milk and bread. That's what people do. When you don't have enough money, you buy milk and bread. And so we went up, and she said, I'm going to go change my clothes, and we'll get going. And when she was changing her clothes, she found some money. I forgot how much it was. It, it was more than like five bucks. It was about 10% of what we gave that month. And it was just enough for us to get groceries and actually have, be comfortable and, and live. That story was awesome because that was the very first time I ever saw God do something amazing in my life besides save me. That was the first time I actually trusted God and I stopped just dating God and I was actually committed to God. And he showed me how committed he was to me by saving that amount of money and hiding it and stashing it. God knows how long ago that was. And for us to find it at that very moment when we really needed it, that's how God moved. And so we told that story to other people and other people. And not that we're bragging about each other, not that we're bragging about ourselves, but we're telling people what God is doing in our life, right? And they're like, wow, like I wouldn't, I, I, I've never seen that happen. I'm like, well, have you ever committed to God? Because we never committed to God and nothing was happening. Like, we were like, oh, I'm struggling. Well, you, are you giving everything to God? Are you really doing everything for God? And, and, and they were like, no, we're not. We're like, why don't you just, like, stop struggling and start trusting, and then you will see how God will provide for you. And that's what started happening. Other people in our circle, in our small group, started doing that. Before you know, we all started trusting God better. And now everyone has really seen God move in their lives. We have to be sharing what God is doing in our lives so that people can see what God is doing in our lives so they can see God working in the world. So many churches want to, they want to do these amazing things. They don't want to tell no one about it. Like, oh, we don't we want to be humble about it. We don't want to make it seem like it's about us. We're like, no, it's not about you. But you need to be bragging about your God because your God is awesome. Amen? So tell people. Tell people about what's going on. You know, I always say this, a story speaks louder than a sermon. And so tell people about what God's doing in your life. Be like, man, I was so down on my luck or whatever, and and God did this for me. Or I was so depressed, I was so lost. And then when I started trusting God and really committing to God, He started moving in my life. Tell people that. Because there's people who need to hear that. And if you don't tell people that, they'll never hear that, and they probably will never understand who God is. So tell people about God. So when Jesus is greater than evil, people will share it, number one. Number two, people will go, people will go with it. They will go with it. It says in in verse 18, "As as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. He did not permit him, but instead said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he has had on you. And, says, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Delapicus how much um, Jesus had done for him. 
Jesus did something great here that we as Christians and churches and church leaders do today. He sent out a missionary. Ladies and gentlemen, he sent someone out. Every Christian is a sent Christian. Jesus doesn't save us so that we can just keep what we know into our hearts. He saves us and he says, okay, now go and spread the word. Just as, as, as people see it in, in your life, we need to be the ones that are sharing it in other people's lives. It means that we are meant to all be sent somewhere to do something for God, to share the gospel with someone else besides ourselves. Friday, I had the great opportunity to uh, sit down and have a dinner with some pastors from all over Corpus and all over the valley and even some pastors from Mexico. And we talked about this, this uh, it was, it was a, actually it was Matamoros, Mexico is where they came from. And I learned a couple of things about this, this town, Matamoros. Have uh, you guys ever been to Matamoros? Have you ever been there? It's right at the border town. Okay, Matamoros is the number one town in Mexico for people with ha- physical handicaps and disabilities. Number one town in Mexico. And Mexico is big, people. It's a huge continent, you know, huge space of land, okay? It's, just, it's also the number one city for diabetes in Mexico. A lot of people don't have diabetes. That means that many of the people are not able to work because of their dis- disabilities, and they can't even afford health care. But I learned that there was hope in Mexico. I learned that there was an organization called DIF, D-I-F, DIF Matamoros. And they provide thousands upon thousands of people free health care. I'm not talking about just giving a couple shots. I'm talking about surgeries, reconstructive surgeries. I'm talking about providing them with uh, wheelchairs and prosthetics. I'm talking about giving them the things that they need so that they can uh, thrive in Mexico, they can get back on their feet. Whatever it is, they, they do home health care, they do uh, nursing, they do transportation from there all over Mexico to different doctor's offices, and it's all free. I learned that. Thousands upon thousands of people with free health care. And they do this through generous donations from churches all over the world, in the United States mostly, and through missionaries going to Mexico and sharing both health care and the gospel to these people. I learned that the president herself has a deformity. I learned that the president of this organization has suffered through that, and she is thriving right now because of this this organization. And she said one thing that stuck out to me. She said one thing. She said, don't be afraid of coming to Mexico. And we know what's going on in Mexico. She said, don't be afraid of coming to Mexico. Be afraid of not doing what God has called you to do. Don't be afraid of the cartels. Don't be afraid of customs. Don't be afraid of all that. Be afraid of not serving God. And I want to twist it on us here today. Don't be afraid of your rejection. Don't be afraid of, of the uncomfortness that might come in sharing the gospel with someone. Be afraid of not doing what God has called you to do. Don't be afraid of not making your bills every month because you want to start serving God and committing your life to God. Don't be afraid of not being able to get that awesome, uh, you know, savings where you want it. Don't be afraid of being able to get the nice house that you want. Don't be afraid of not getting those things. Be afraid of not serving God with 100% of your heart. And that's what she said to me. She said, don't be afraid of, of, of coming to Mexico. Don't be afraid of doing what, 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 you know, what God wants you to do. Be afraid of not doing it. And the truth is, we're all called to go somewhere. We're all called to be missionaries somewhere. Whether it's across the room, across the street, across the city, across the nation, or across the world, we're all called to go across somewhere and share the gospel with people. All of us, all, all of you in this room are. The question is, are you going to be willing to go to either of these places? 
Are you going to be willing to go across the room? There's someone here in this room today that might not know Jesus. When we have guests who come to Impact City Church, are you going to be willing to be out of your shell and go and say hello to someone? Maybe invite someone out to lunch after a while. They've been coming here a couple of weeks. Say, would you like to go grab lunch with me? Are you going to be willing to go across the street to your neighbors, talking to your neighbors, understanding their, uh, their needs and what, what, what they're doing in life, and how can you help come alongside them? Do they play golf? Do you need to learn how to play golf so you can go play golf with them so you can talk to them about Jesus? Do they do, they do you know, whatever it is that they do? If, if you're a crazy neighbor like me, do you like to shoot guns? Do you have to go buy a gun so you can go shoot guns with your neighbor? Whatever it takes, do it. Across the city, are you going to serve the homeless? Are you going to serve the other churches? Are you going to be selfless and, and, and not so prideful in your church that you want to go help another church serve because they're doing something? Are you going to come alongside them? Are you going to serve across the nation? Are we going to do something across the nation where we team up with churches from all over the United States to do something in Mexico or something like that? Or are we going to serve across the world and make an impact on the persecuted in Iraq? What are we going to do? Like, like, we can't just live and die and be selfish about our lives. We only live, on average, 70 to 80 years, some of us more. And on average, out of all those years, we may have a window of opportunity between birth and death, about 40 to 50 years to do something great in this life. What are you going to do with your years? That is this thing that, that, that is weight on my heart when I was wanting to plant the church. What, what am I going to do with my life? I don't want to die and say, I just got up and went to work and I got a great house. I raised some great kids. I taught them good morals and then I died. I don't want to be that guy. I want to make a difference. I want people to, when I leave this world, they, they miss what we did at Impact City Church. The man that Jesus sent across the nation was the very first missionary that Jesus sent across, actually. Check out verse 20. He said, he went away and began to proclaim in the Dilapagus how much Jesus had done for him. In the Dilapagus, how much Jesus had done for him. Now, the the Dilapagus was actually ten cities in present-day Palestine. And it's very key that he said that. Notice the Bible didn't say he went off and told some people about it. He was very specific about where he went. And the reason why it was so important because those ten cities were Roman cities within Palestine that knew no God, that did not believe in Judaism, did not believe in Yahweh, did not believe in Yeshua, Messiah, did not believe in any of that stuff. They did not believe in the one true God. They believed in Greek mythology. They believed in gods like Zeus and, 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 and people like that. They believed that's what they, the belief system was. They believed in pagan gods and they worshipped idols. So Jesus took this guy. Notice how he said, go to your friends. I want you to know something. He said, go to your friends, which means that he had friends over there, which means that he himself was not a a, a Christ follower or or a God-believing Jew at that time. But that man was not, did not know who God was. But also notice what Jesus said also in that, I believe it was verse 17. He said, tell him what the Lord told you has done for you. Tell them what the Lord has done for you. The word the Lord really meant that the one. Tell them what number one did for you. Tell them what the one true God did for you. And maybe they'll turn away from their pagan ways. It's amazing. It's 
amazing. That's what makes this story so awesome. That Jesus said, go to the place that is most least likely to receive what you're saying. And tell them about me. Tell them about, about the Lord. Tell them about my Father. Tell them about how much we love them. Tell them how much I have done for you and what I can do for them. Go tell them. What an awesome story. But yet many of us are afraid to even share what we know with our friends, the people who will accept it. We need, to, we need to be brave to share the Word of God. We need to be able to go out of our box and our comfort zone to share the Word of God. If we allow our fear and our discomfort to dictate how we live, we will never live. We will be confined by that. We'll be prisoners of our own fear. So let your passion override your fear. Let your passion override your fear. Every time I go speak anywhere that's not here, I'm scared. I get really nervous speaking in other churches because I tend to say things that people don't like. <laughs> I tend to say things that are a little uncomforting. Um, I might say something wrong. Or, you know, the other day we spoke at Exodus at a kid's camp. I haven't spoken to youth, to youth in like forever. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to say something wrong. And they kick me out. They have guns. And, and I was so scared, right? But it says, I always say, let your passion override your fear. If you're scared to talk to someone about Jesus, you don't love Jesus enough. It's simple. Because when you love Jesus enough, when you love him more than anything, you're passionate about it, you'll preach to the dang wall, bro. Because that's how passionate you are about him. Because you'll preach to anyone. So don't let your, your fear be overcome by your passion. I'm saying don't let your passion be overcome by your fear. That's, that, that's the one I want you to write down, not the other one. When Jesus is greater than evil, people will share it. People will go with it. And number three, people will marvel at it. Verse 20 ended with this. And it said, and everyone marveled. And everyone marveled. He went to the Roman cities and the Roman towns, the places where he was least likely to be accepted, and he told people about Jesus, and they didn't say they were kind of like, eh, eh, whatever, that's that Jewish God over there. It said that they marveled at it. They were like looking at it like, dude, it's Fred. Fred's the one that was cool for a while, and then one day he, he got possessed by demons, and he went like, you know, and now he's back, and he's like, wow, look at him. Who did that to you, Fred? He's like, the Lord did it to me. And they're like, wow. And they marveled at what God had done. The simplest thing for us to do is to go across the room, across the street, across the city, across the nation, across the world, and tell them what Jesus has done in your life, what Jesus has done for you. And I guarantee you they will marvel at it. Because you are marvelous. You have God living in you. You have something awesome in your life. Some of you guys have beaten cancer. Some of you guys have beaten uh, depression. Some of you guys have beaten so many things. You've come back from, from all-time lows, and God has done that for you, and you need to tell other people about it so they can marvel at God. Beloved church, I pray, I pray that we would be a church that will go and share what God has done so that everyone would marvel at our God. I pray that we will be a church that would go and share what God has done to everyone so that everyone can marvel at our God. Let us not hold back anything when we're talking to someone about Jesus. Amen. I think part two of this story is so much better because part two was the catalyst of something big. 
Part two laid the foundations of the, of the future church there in Palestine. Part two sent a man and sent him away to, to, to spread the gospel of Jesus before Jesus died, before he rose again, before the disciples, before anyone, before Paul, before Peter, before anyone went out. He sent this man, the man who was possessed by, by demons, the man who was so, no one thought he would be a good missionary. This is part of the guy that would come into the church today, tattoos, piercings, smelling like weed. That's the guy who is going to go out and he's going to save thousands upon thousands of people with the glory of God. Amen? He is the least likely, and Jesus sent him. And if Jesus can send this guy who was possessed by demons and just, just so monstrous, he can send us. And he has. But we just have to listen to his calling. Let's all pray. Father God, God, we thank you so much for, God, we thank you so much for your son and what he has done in our lives. Lord, as we're praying, as we're just sitting here, I want us to just kind of, just kind of reflect on our lives. Are our lives looking like this man's life. Sure, we might have been controlled by sin. We might have had a, a moment in our life where we were just, just controlled by our sin and, and just lost and out of control and just, just, just far away from God and the living. And we might have had that moment where God came into our lives and, and Jesus walked into our hearts and said, away with this evil, away. You committed your life to Christ. You might have that moment, and part one was awesome. Listen, part one of your life with Jesus is amazing, but part two needs to be better. I ask you, is part two of your life looking like this? Are you giving your everything to God? Are you giving your whole life to Him? Are you sacrificing your time, your talent, your finances, and your heart, and your emotions, and, and everything about you, your insecurities? Are you sacrificing those things for other people? Are you going across the room to tell people about Jesus? Are you going across the street to tell your neighbors? Are you going across the city to serve people? Are you going across the nation and to the world? What are you doing with your 40 to 50 years of good life? Many of us have less than that, by the way. We need to be willing to do whatever it takes to share the gospel. And I ask you, beloved church here today, be honest with your heart. Is that you today? Or is there something more you can do? I don't do this very often. I want everyone to keep your heads down, your eyes closed. I'm just asking for a commitment from you guys. If that's something that you know God is working on in your heart, that you need you to take the next step, whatever it is in your life, wherever the next step is, whether it's, maybe your next step is just reading the Bible. Maybe you just need to start reading the Bible. Maybe your next step is you need, you need to start tithing. Maybe your next step is you need to start serving more and being more committed. Maybe your next step is you need to start leading more. You need to step up and really start leading. Whatever, whatever your next step is, are you willing to take that step with every head bowed, every eye closed? Would you raise your hand if you want God to take you to the next level? You want God to take you to the next level and say, I want to do more. I want to do more because you have done more for me. God, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. And put your hands down. Christians, I beg you to make that commitment today. Let us know. Communicate with us. 
and allow us to come alongside you and allow us to walk with you to help you become greater than you can ever ask or imagine to do greater things in your life. Father God, I just thank you again for these believers here in Impact City. God, thank you for the work that you're doing in all of our hearts. God, pray that each and every one of us will just continue to, to grow in you, that we will continue to follow you. God, if, we never, if you've never started following you, I pray that we will start following you here today. God, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.